So Genesis 3, 14 through 19, we're going to see what were the consequences of this disobedience. The Lord God said to the serpent, uh, he is talking to the serpent first here. The curse is first handed down to the serpent uh, because the serpent sinned first. Uh, at this point, Satan had already sinned in rebelling against God. Satan's rebellion um, is itself sinful. Thus, his lie to Eve that um, God would not um, kill them for this and that they would be like gods if they ate the tree, um, that is the first sin seen in scripture as well. Not only the first lie, but the first instance of sin. Um, so he is handing down punishment first to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. So we see physical uh, punishment for this uh, serpent. No more feet. Snake has no feet. I mean, that's pretty obvious in our world today. That still holds true. Uh, on your belly, you will go and eat dust. Uh, interestingly, man was created from the dust. I'm not sure if there's an application there, but um, he is going to eat dust all the days of his life. We also see that God did not just simply wipe out serpents from the earth. Um, whatever creature or creation uh, Satan used in order to deceive Eve is um, still present after this curse. So that creature is uh, not utterly destroyed, but given a punishment. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So enmity is um, conflict. There will be conflict between you and the woman. So interestingly, it doesn't say between you and mankind, but between you and the woman. Uh, we're going to see this um, drawn out more in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter uh, 12 that uh, this cosmic battle now begins between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Now, this is a spiritual seed, but for the woman as well, it is a physical seed, that it will be a human man that conquers Satan. And we saw his head crushed at the cross when uh, Christ was uh, put to death but death could not hold him. Um, this was that bruise on the heel. A bruise on the heel is not a fatal wound, um, but a crushed head is a fatal wound. So we see that this man will be victorious over the serpent, but not without pain. Uh, now this is called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first instance in scripture where we see the uh, promise of a savior. Eve is told, um, you guys are, you're, you're done for, but you're not without a savior. Someone will come from your seed that will save you. So what has been lost here is the kingdom, um, but also uh, man's life. And God is purposed himself, has purposed himself to restore this kingdom still 
through man, um, which is yet another reason why uh, Christ had to come to earth as a man, because God has to rule the earth yet through a man. Otherwise, he has been defeated by Satan. He has lost this kingdom. He has to get this kingdom back. Otherwise, God's defeated. Now, that's no, not even a challenge for God. The challenge is for mankind to be obedient. The solution to that is for God himself to be a man. Uh, Christ didn't come for a time as a man and then go back to his uh, pre-incarnate state. He is currently occupying heaven as a man in a glorified body. So in the same kind of physical body that we will inherit after uh, this earth, he is currently existing. Uh, he's not just a spirit wandering around in heaven. He's physical. Uh, that was something that he chose eternally um, to become. And it's also interesting that we see right here from the beginning of Genesis that this is God's intention, that uh, some man from the seed of woman will uh, one day rule. And at this point, God didn't wonder for who that was. He knew that that would be our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so he knew at this moment, and it's a process of revelation for man to come to that understanding. Um, such a process that by the time Christ came, uh, most of Israel was still unaware that this man was, uh, uh, they were still looking for an earthly man to be an earthly king. They did not understand that God himself would incarnate himself uh, and die for their sins. So we see this promise right from the very beginning. You will have a savior. This kingdom will be restored. The enemy will be conquered. Uh, another note on this seed. Uh, seed itself, it's a uh, cumulative noun in Hebrew, which means it's a singular noun with the idea of plurality. So um, not only do we have the idea here of lineage, but also a singular noun, and we will see that there is going to be a singular seed. This promise will again be pronounced to Abraham in the same terms that Abraham will have a seed, and we'll also see in 2 Samuel 7 that Dan promised to seed. So this continuity of seed uh, maintains throughout scripture that every time God makes a promise of this savior, um, he is making it in the terms of this will be a human. So he constantly says, this savior, he's a human, he's coming. Uh, all right, on to the woman's curse. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, in pain you bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Uh, so when God created man and woman, we saw in uh, Genesis 1.28 that um, he has given these commands to them. To, so they are ruling jointly together. There is cohesion between them. There is understanding. Uh, they're working together. But when sin enters, there is a rift put between the man and the woman that um, their ideas will not be the same at this point. 
let's look first, multiply your pain in childbirth. Uh, childbirth was present before the curse, but pain in childbirth um, either wasn't or was very minimal. Uh, I, in pain, you will bring forth children. Now this in pain, you will bring forth children has the idea of sorrow. Uh, interestingly, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys know the song. Uh, I don't even know the name of it, but one of the lines in it is, uh, when Mary looked at the face of Jesus, did she understand that she was looking at the face of God? Uh, this makes me think of that because it Mary, is- Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? Thank you. Uh, it's in dire juxtaposition with this because uh, at this point, Eve has not yet had children. But from this point forward, every child that comes from her, when she looks at the face of that child, she'll see death. And she'll know that that is her fault. It's Adam's fault. It's their fault together. Um, that no child will ever be born um, to live eternally on this earth as God had originally intended and offered to them. But because of the sin that they introduced, these children are now born in sin, born from their sin. Uh, so the sorrow that is in bearing children is that these children are born to die. Uh, there will be an end. Um, and that really is, is the great equalizer between all humans. Uh, we're not going to go much further into Genesis, but if you went into chapter uh, 5, and into chapter 10, you'd see incredibly long lists of names, especially if you get into the book of Numbers, uh, just lists and lists and lists of names. And um, it'll say like, uh, and all of the days of Adam were 930 years and all the days of Jared were 962 years. Uh, and they ended. All the names in scripture are ended. So we see that this really is the great equalizer and it all stems from this first sin. Um, so every child born uh, is born with the understanding of death. Um, the, uh, the one, actually we have two names in scripture that did not experience death. Enoch, his years were 360 some and he went to be with the Lord. As well, Elijah was taken up in a cloud um, did not experience death. Um, so it is not unprecedented in scripture that God um, spares some from death. But um, it is definitely not the norm. Um, however, in our specific context in this late hour of Earth's history, um, we have a promise of an imminent rapture of the church. Uh, many will say that this has no uh, premise in scripture. Um, you can point them to Enoch. You can point them to Elijah and say, God has used this before, but he is planning on using it in a massive scale. Um, some will say that uh, the church doesn't escape wrath. Well, the wrath coming in Revelation is the wrath of God, not the wrath of Satan. We're not spared the wrath of Satan, but we are spared the wrath of God. Uh, we're told that the end will be a lot like the days of Noah. Noah was saved through the flood by God. Uh, I like to look at the rapture as a similar vessel as the 
ark, just like God carried Noah through the flood, he'll carry us out of harm's way if we are alive at the time of the end. Uh, the rapture being imminent, it has been imminent since um, Christ's ascension. Uh, 2,000 years, it could have happened any day, and it still could happen any day. Uh, but that all is tied in with that idea of death that enters here. Uh, in pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Sherry um, and I have been talking about this all week, so uh, it was kind of fun that this popped up here. Your desire will be for your husband. Some translations, like the ESV, translate this, your desire will be against your husband, but he will rule over you. Um, the, the preposition used here is to or toward with directional um, intention. Uh, Sherry, unfortunately, I'm becoming more and more convinced of the ESV's translation here. Uh, the word desire is used as well in Genesis 4-7 as sin's desire being for Cain. The same preposition is used as well. Uh, this desire is not a benevolent desire. This idea of desire is with the idea of usurping. Uh, it basically says you and your husband are not going to see eye to eye. You are going to want to control him and he is going to control you. We see the woman as a weaker vessel. We understand that from Second Peter. That is a scriptural uh, understanding and that doesn't mean uh, weaker in intelligence or anything of that sort. But let's face it, if a guy and a girl are in a fight, um, who is going to be the first one reduced to tears? The woman feels emotion much more closely than the man does. But her emotions will be um, of benefit to a man. We see in um, Ephesians 5, 20, that um, the man is to love his wife like Christ loves the church. Uh, the, uh, the connection, the relationship between man and woman at this point is broken down. But in the relationship of Christ and the church, we see an ideal of how we can um, restore that. Um, one of my professors and a pastor I, I love to listen to is Dr. Andy Woods. And uh, he says in one of his sermons that Marriage for the Christian following the Ephesians 5 pattern can be the closest thing to heaven that you can experience on this earth. But for those who do not follow the pattern of Ephesians 5, it can be the closest thing to hell you experience on this earth. Uh, so we see right from the beginning, Genesis 3.16 here, that um, there is going to be conflict now in this marriage. Where conflict was not intended, sin has introduced conflict, um, and he will rule over you. Uh, this rule is not the same rule as ruling over creation. Uh, this rule is as a king over um, his own land. So uh, a rightful rule, in other words. Um, God did not cause this curse of the woman's desire being 
for or against, however you see that, uh, her husband, that was a natural cause of this sin entering, but he will rule over you. Uh, that may well be God's um, remedy for that is now there will be a breakdown of communication between the man and the woman. Someone needs to be responsible. Man will be responsible. So that is why we see this um, hierarchy of the man being the head of the household. Um, he was originally given responsibility and now his responsibility has become that much harder because they won't see eye to eye. Uh, moving on, Genesis 3, 17 through 19. Now we see the curse for man. Uh, the serpents and the woman's were relatively brief. Uh, the man's is a bit longer. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Uh, it might just be that I'm a man, but to me, this one seems the harshest. Um, but very interestingly, um, the ground is cursed um, because of man. For the serpent, the curse was confined to the serpent's being. For the woman, the curse was confined to the woman's being, but as well, that marriage in which a man and woman become one. Um, but here, the very right out the door, um, the ground is cursed because of you. So for a king, as Adam was over creation, uh, much worse than uh, your own personal plight would be the plight of your dominion. Uh, so Eve sees that um, her children that come from her will experience death. Adam has now seen that everything you have touched is now going towards death. Uh, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it. So no longer do we see that God's provision um, is enough. That was destroyed by Adam's sin. Now, in order to survive, we have to toil. Work is a labor. Work is hard. It's not just enjoyment. We still get enjoyment from it, but uh, we have to do it to survive. I mean, how many times do you um, toil away at your job just to get a paycheck uh, when there are many other things that you would love to be doing, like studying the word, uh, things that are more fruitful? Uh, we don't have the time in the day to do that because we have to work to survive. And that's part of the curse. So if you're ever frustrated with your job, um, the cause of that comes here from Genesis 3.17. Uh, and you'll do that all the days of your life. Uh, I mean, we live in a very unique period in history when we live in a country where you can retire at 65 or 67, whatever the age is now. Uh, most countries in the world don't, don't live like that. Uh, even here in Korea, the little old women that walk around with their hunchbacks carrying recycling or, or fruits and vegetables on their back, 
they're 80 or 90 years old, they're still working just to survive. Um, their country isn't, hasn't been uh, a first world country for as long as ours has. But even first world countries uh, a couple hundred years ago, uh, go back to Britain, very few people were in a position where they didn't have to work their entire lives. Uh, so looking at the winding down of history, it's interesting that man is making such incredible efforts to remove this curse for himself. Uh, we see ideas such as socialism um, becoming very prominent um, today, which is not um, this idea of you will toil to eat, but someone else will toil for you to eat. Uh, so the burden of the curse has been shifted into onto others. Uh, but this isn't unique. It's just unique in the way that it is being done today. All throughout history, uh, we see slavery being practiced. Socialism is not much different than slavery. The only difference is there is a screen between you and your slaves, those working for you to eat you don't have to see them in socialism. Uh, so uh, man all throughout history makes efforts to remove this curse from himself. And in every way, when man attempts to remove this curse from himself, further injustice ensues. But in the book of Revelation, we will see Christ finally put away this curse forever so that there is no injustice in the way that he does it. Uh, all right, verse 18. Thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So remember, in one uh, twenty-six through 30, we saw that he was given all of the trees and all of the plants bearing seed. Uh, he is now going to till the ground. The trees and the fruit is not going to be enough for him. Um, neither in his body, his body will need more nutrients um, in his fallen state, uh, different nutrients, but also um, the, the trees and the plants just are not going to be as fruitful for him as they were prior. So he is going to need to work the ground itself, the dust from which he was taken, he now needs to grow his food in. Uh, we see this introduction of bread, of wheat into the human diet. One interesting thing with covenants, and I'm not sure the reason behind this, I'd love to dig into it more. Um, food is often involved in these covenants. Um, in the Noahic covenant, they're given the use of meat um, for food. In the uh, Mosaic covenant, certain foods are restricted from them. Uh, so this idea of food is something that's very important to God. And Unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for any of you why, why that is at this point, but I am looking into it. Uh, all right. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. And again, this goes back to slavery and socialism that by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. Um, the intention behind this curse was that man be responsible for himself. Um, pushing off the burden of that responsibility um, has been a has been the plight of the entire world. Um, how can I ease the pain of this curse? Uh, because from it you were taken, 
for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So remember man forgot his place. He put his own words, his own intentions, creation itself above God. God is here very explicitly reminding him, you are dust. You are not on the same level of being as I am. 